Welcome everyone back to another episode of Life Chat with Riverville. We're continuing our conversation in regards to Black men and how we can able to change our community, how we can able to change, be the change for the next generation. So we just thank you for joining us for part two of this discussion. I know you guys were saying about um, about re-educating the next generation. And I know, Louis, you were saying that they have a different mentality than we do. Um, I wanted to ask you real quick, guys, what do you think we need as, as an older generation? What do we need to do in order to structure it in a way that we can have the next generation prepared to do it better than we did? You know, you know, they're lashing out now and they're ready to fight, but we need to do it in a certain way to have a better result. So how, like Ingram, you probably can answer this better. How, what, what do you say to them in order to get them, <laughs> he's laughing, in order to get them more prepared to do this in a more effective way than we did in the past? Uh, I guess you're passing that to me. Um, I, I, I honestly, what do we do? I think that we continue to, to put them in front of people like ourselves who can impart the knowledge necessary for them to make the change effectively. I think that everybody kind of spoke to, to their relentless, fearless approach. Uh, but as Mr. Wells stated before, it definitely, and you just stated, it definitely has to be guided because it could get out of control and it could cause more damage than good. Um, I think that they have the heart for it. I think that their minds are right, but we have to have, we have to start with the people that we have relationships with, right? We have to start with the youth that we have relationships with and that we can connect with that are knowledgeable enough about particular issues and situations that can assemble. We're, it's gonna be difficult for our generation to assemble those 10, 20 years younger than us because of the generational gap and because of the connection. So we have to uh, align ourselves. And I did something about that earlier about alignment. Yep, we have to align ourselves with those that we have relationships with that can pass that message on to them to be able to assemble the groups to make that happen. I, I would say it starts in schools, but it doesn't. I think that that's the last place that it starts, unfortunately, because we're not giving the format or the platform to be able to really have those conversations um, in those environments. So it starts at homes, it starts in the communities, it starts with our immediate families, our, our, our relatives, our, our, those that we are close to. Um, but that's where I would say that we have to start. And again, as you stated before, we, we may not know what that agenda is or what it looks like, but we have to come with a plan. We can't just come in and say, we need to do something because they're not trying to hear that either. And, and this generation, they need facts, they need the information and they need the plan. And I think that they're willing to go out and execute, but we have to be organized because if not, it could be a, a disaster for all of us. Thanks. Um, can I, well can said. I follow up on that? Yeah. I, I, I think we have to teach them life skills. For for lack of a better term, I, I can recall um, just by way of me seeing different environments in the school system and also being privileged enough to come into some school systems as a mentor, the majority of life skills have been taken out of school. We used to take an hour when I was in, in early early elementary um, or even in high school. And another thing is most of my teachers in some way, shape, form, or fashion looked like me as well. We need to make sure we're educating our own kids. So yes, it starts at home. When you get to school, if someone doesn't have a connection to your roots and your history, there's still somewhat of a disconnect. Um, people, and Mr. Davis said it, um, Mr. Davis and, and Lewis said it earlier, 
people can try to show empathy, but ultimately if they don't understand, there's a difference. We used to do a round table with my, um, with my uh, football coach. He was also a physical education teacher. And we would sit down and talk about what it meant to be responsible for households, right? And so he would talk to us about, look, you know, you guys should probably try to wait to have children. This is what it means to be responsible for a household. You may want to get these things in order before you do that. You know, we would talk about money, credit, finance. Those things are not being discussed. Everything is microwaved for some of the kids now. And I think while they they certainly have the energy, we have the guidance and we need to we need to come in partnership with them. They're not listening to as Lewis said, don't just tell me what you're what I should do. Come out here and do it with me. So you got to be available and meet them where they are. I think your platform is a beautiful platform for, for that conversation to start being had. And as we create, as content creators like you continue to do things like this, they're going to hear more black voices talk about things that are relevant, important, and hopefully they're drawn to that the same way we are drawn to other cultural things. Some things that I think uh, people are culture vultures. And so they come into your community, they take what works and they export it back to you. We have to take control of our culture and give that to our kids from our perspective to give them the knowledge and empowerment to go out. And so myself and Mr. Ingram talked about some things before. Um, to build a strategy, you need a few things, but you got to have a personal belief in it. So I personally believe that in empowerment, engagement and execution. And so when I talk to young kids, I ask them, what can I do to help empower you? I don't want to tell you what to do. I want to help you make a decision. Number two, how do you want me to engage with you? Do you want me to text you? Do you want me to call you? Do you prefer email? Do I find you on social media? I just want to engage with you. Last but not least, let me try to help you. If I've done the other two, execute your plan. And if you can show up for them in those ways, you may be able to start to see a change in them because they have the mindset to do everything and they they just need the guidance. They have the energy, they have the mindset, and they certainly are not shy about asking for the connection or, you know, the favor or, what, or whatever. If you know somebody has a scholarship for me, Mr. Ingram, can you get me in touch with that person? Our generation was afraid to ask because we were told to put our head down, work hard, just keep working hard. Someone will notice you. No, they will not. <laughs> you have to advocate for yourself. And I'm glad that these kids are learning to do that. And they're going out building their own brands and things of that nature. But when you have to go to someone who doesn't look like Lewis for financial advice, guess what happens then? Guess what happens when you go to sign your contract if you're an athlete? So again, our ecosystem has to protect those that have an ability to become our voice because the celebrities that we have, they don't speak on our behalf on a frequent basis. It's, you know, it's convenient, it's political. Mm -hmm. And so we know that. So we're not attached to that in that way, but life experience doesn't tell these kids that they shouldn't attach to it. They should be with the person that's for you 100% of the time. So I think your question is a great one. And I, I think it's about controlling content and pushing the right things in front of them and ultimately they they will make a decision the leaders of the next generation will attach themselves to it and hopefully we can be there to meet them where they are and help push them across the finish line because we really need some replacements
Right. Before you ask your next question, um, Vivian, I had jotted down before Mr. Wells said it that they have the energy and we have the wisdom. So it's putting the wisdom and the energy together. But I think um, we both have to adjust our thinking. Some of us, like myself, old school, and we think that things have to be done a certain way. And, and we tend to focus on how the younger person addresses us and speak to us. But sometimes we have to adjust that we hear them first. And then once we have that relationship established, then we can say, you know what, this is how you address somebody who is older or so. But, but, but we just put um, a wall up and like these young people, they have no manners. And that may be a fact. But at the same time, sometimes we have to look past that to form the relationship so we can make the change. Raise so, them to be soldiers, train them to be generals. Right. That's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. You have to raise them and prepare them because they are going to war. Mm -hmm. That's what life is. But you also have to train them to one day become generals because they are going to be leaders. Absolutely. And if you do that, with your circle, whether it's your children, I have two boys, best believe those that know, know that they're raised a certain way. Um, but also I mentor a lot of young people because I, I you know, I'm enamored with them. I, I think that these new generations is something very interesting is, is coming out of them. And um, I, I enjoy them. So mm -hmm. I like to keep a few of them around and, you know, give them what little tidbit of knowledge that I have. But that's our responsibility. And I find myself as I get older and older that I have to divulge all this knowledge that I've accumulated. Mm -hmm. And it's not like I'm, I'm drowning them with it. Sometimes it's just a little tidbit here. It's a little tidbit there. And, um, these young people, you know, you'd be surprised. They, they come around mm -hmm. and they'll come seeking you because they see that you're willing to help them. They're not dummies. You know, it's, it's the old saying, they, they're full of energy, but no, no brains. This generation isn't like that. They're full of energy, but they're, they're a smart bunch too. Mm -hmm. They're a lot smarter than we were, that's for sure. And you'll be surprised how much they pick up on stuff. Now, they may not do it your way. Right. That's for sure. They won't do it your way. But if you pay attention, you'll see your way in there. Yeah. And I think that's what we need to get over. We need to get over some of our old-fashioned ways right. and, and say, look, our responsibility is really just to provide that knowledge space to them. How they take it is really their responsibility mm -hmm. because they're going to be the ones responsible for the next generation. You know, I hate complaining about the generation, say, oh, this generation, that, this generation. That. If they are whatever you say they are, it's because you failed. Not them. You failed. So if they're so bad, take it upon yourself to make that change and to guide them. Mm -hmm. And do you think, Mr. Wells, that um, in regards to what you're saying about, you know, for years we've been talking about this, talking about the Black community need to invest and, and, and um, in other Black companies and, and, and stuff like that. Do you think that 
if we prepare the younger generation with that mentality, then we can able to bring that forward. Because right now, I don't think there's still blacks going around. I don't buy from blacks. I don't hire blacks. Blacks are saying these type of statements, and this has been yeah. going on for years, and we haven't changed. So we need to re-educate our community, of course, re-educate our people in regards to say, hey, look, if we band together, this is what we can accomplish. And the information is there. So is it that we need to really, really pay the attention to the younger generation and forget about this generation or the generation before us? Because I don't see where we can actually, I know one person can make a difference. And if we start with one, we can, of, of course, increase that. But is everyone going to be on the same page? No. So right. go ahead. I'm sorry. Well Start with start with the premise that if someone else can do it, I can. So it's possible, right? If a few can do it, it's likely. If several people can do it, it's, it's very probable. And so I think that it's just building upon those things. Now, what I do see is a spirit of collaboration amongst you know this cohort because they're they're interested in doing it easier, faster, better. And if they can do that, they will. And if they can benefit economically from it. I think they also will. What you're talking about, I think, is um, this is part of the perception that we have of them because of the some of the lavish lifestyles that they like to lead. So I work in financial services and I see a lot of this. One of the things that uh, maybe I think Lewis talked about a little bit earlier is that what happens when, when you've been psychologically disenfranchised or somewhat in prison as soon as you're able to do something, you want to go and do that. So, you know, I got, I now make, I make a hundred thousand dollars. I can go have the life I've always wanted. No one's told you about taxes. You don't understand other things. So when I talk about the knowledge, I talk about it just from the conceptual standpoint, even if they only need to know, Hey, I want to refer you to a tax advisor. That's going to make sure you're okay. As opposed to you going outside of your community doing it. And I think they're open to doing that. Um, because while we have heard those things traditionally, and I continue to hear them as well, part of the issue that we have when we fall short as a people, we hold each other to a higher level of accountability than we do others. If you get the wrong belt from Gucci, hey, it's Gucci, they're going to fix it. They get an opportunity to correct mistakes and get it right. Black-owned businesses are often operating with less volume less experienced people because they're giving jobs back to their community. So that's on the job training that some folks are having. We talked about the attitudes of certain people. They have to learn to be professional because they've never had etiquette, training, executive coaching. Everyone didn't grow up in the same environment. So we have to give ourselves a chance. But again, I go back to content creation and platforms like this. The more you have things of value in front of our children, the better off we are. Now, I know what's happened with uh, Mr. Cosby over the course of time or what have you, but if your mother wasn't at home when I was growing up, you turn on Bill Cosby and you could literally leave your kid there and life lessons were being learned. A different world would come on. What we consumed was very different. Look at what our kids are consuming now. And so if we don't put this information out there, what they do when they become successful is they export that money outside out of our, our communities. 
we are seeing people start to come around, um, you know, not to talk about someone else's platform, but there are two gentlemen that I personally follow. And I see that a lot of their work is starting to show up in schools. And a year ago, no one knew who they were, but all they talk about is money, business and opportunity as relates to the black community. They are now the largest online education provider for urban business in the world. But that's only one to your point. You could be the next one. We could be another one. And so we have to control the content and get the momentum because I do think, again, the spirit of collaboration is there, but again, no guidance. So if myself, Lewis, everyone on this call got together and said, you know, we, we're going to train and coach um, the tri-state if anyone has a business idea, we want to help you draft a business plan to go to the bank and get financed. Most people are borrowing money from elsewhere as opposed to finding a Black-owned credit union or helping establish one where people could come and participate in that. I mean, we have some small wins that I think we could, that, that are very achievable. And once you have examples of success, other people copy that. And we just want to create the fastest growing copy machines that we can. Mm -hmm. And this generation will do it. They will repost. They will reshare. Mm -hmm. um, the, the beauty of it is they do it with good news and bad news. So if you fail them, they're going to tell everyone. And so Lewis <laughs> talked about it earlier, being accountable. And even if you're Black, you cannot come in with the idea that you're not going to be up to par. But I think we have to have that equal treatment to our counterparts. So they're not, they're not given third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances where we're firing ourselves in our own community with the first mistake. You know, so I think that's, that's the understanding that we have to have and helping, just helping them understand the evolution of businesses. I mean, how many times did Apple fail, IBM, all these brands, these major brands did not wake up on third base there, are a lot, there was a series of failures, opportunities to learn and grow, but the, the structure allows them to do that. That structure doesn't allow us to make those same mistakes. So we have to better prepare them to win with a high probability out of the gate because we don't, we don't, we don't have that, that infrastructure to protect them. Not Mr. at least it's I could have said it any better. Uh, what it comes down to is having respect for that black dollar, you know, and unfortunately our community does not have respect for our own dollar. Uh, you look at other communities, I believe every dollar Jewish community keeps maybe 95 cents out of that dollar. You know, Chinese somewhere 85, white is, is, is up there too. For the black community somewhere down into that maybe 20 cents. <laughs> You know, and it's it's, it's six it's, hours. Yeah. Dollar stays in our community six hours, six hours. That yeah, is it. it's 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 a shame. And uh, Ms. Well said it right. We don't respect our own because yeah, if a black-owned supermarket opens up in your community, their price is going to be higher. Yes, that's because they don't have a global network or even a national network. But guess what? Same Jewish uh, supermarket that opens up in a community, that price is higher too. I once, you know, I was um, working at a corporate office uh, back in the day and I was sitting next to a Jewish actuary 
And we just got into a conversation one time and he mentioned that he traveled, I want to say somewhere between five to 10 miles to get to the closest Jewish supermarket to shop there. And he obviously he passed every shop, right? A&P and you name it, Walmart. He shopped probably two or three of them to get to where he was going. But he stated that he's always going to support his own. And he, the price is irrelevant. The time is irrelevant. It's important for his community that they support one another. And that's really the mentality that we need to incorporate. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that because the reality is every community supports their own except us. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I learned it on our podcast here. We had some... Um, investors and financial people that were on. And one of the things she shared was that a dollar circulates 81 times in the Jewish community before it goes outside. So mm -hmm. now you, you gentlemen are adding to it for me to know exactly why it does that. You know, but I, I was very astounded and, and they brought up what um, Mr. Wells was saying about the, the amount of hours that it will stay in the black community. But 81 times, they touch that dollar, 81 times before it goes out of the Jewish community. And I was like, wow. And the knowledge base is there. I mean, just on this panel here, we have two uh, financial people, we have insurance people, we have educators. So clearly the knowledge is there. Mm -hmm. It's your responsibility to go out there and seek it. Mm -hmm. And don't, don't you know, as a financial advisor, it's one thing that bugs me, folks. When I talk to people, they say, oh, as soon as I win the lottery or as soon as I get some money, I'll talk to you. It's nothing that bothers me more than that because you just set yourself a failure. If you don't know how to manage the two pennies that you have, it doesn't matter how many zeros come behind it. You're going to lose it because you don't have respect for it. And I tell people that all the time. I don't, I don't care if you have two pennies. Make those pennies work as hard as you're working. Make sure that you're doing everything that you need to do to really create wealth, not just for yourself, but for the next generation. Because, And make sure you're training that next generation to be able to do something with that wealth that you're going to build them. And, and I tell people all the time, look, rich people didn't just become rich overnight. A lot of that, especially that old money, is based off legacy. You know, it was a life insurance was purchased and then that life insurance was used to fund another life insurance, was used to fund another life insurance. Before you know it, they, it was a million dollar life insurance somewhere down the line. Yeah, you have your Bill Gates and your uh, Jeff Bezos and stuff like that throughout uh, history, your Dale Carnegie's, your JP Morgan's that created corporations and just became, you know, they're, they're Great, great grandkids will be rich, yes. Mm -hmm. But the majority of people is about legacy. It took time. Mm -hmm. They sat there at some point with two pennies and figured out how to take those two pennies and turn them to four pennies, to turn them to 40 cents, to turn them to $4, you know, and it was over time. And I think we need to also stay, start taking that mentality and having that understanding that this is a long game. This is a long game. Okay. I, I do what I do well for myself, but I think my kids to actually be the ones that 
are really what that become somewhat wealthy, you know? And my grandkids will be at a point where they should be wealthy because of the knowledge base and the foundation that I'm providing them. But, but oh, I'm sorry. But yeah, I go ahead. Jump in here and say, so how do we change that culture? How do we change that thinking? Um, how do we bring about, because I'll tell you what, once we get to the point where we have power, because we know money is power, then it will change things. It will stop the, it will, we will check the Derek Chauvin's, uh, you know, um, they'll think twice because we can hire a good attorney. Yes. How um, does it start? And so the question is, how do we, because we're a consumer, all the nationalities, we're consumer driven. We, we've got to have the latest, the, you name it, as it comes out, whether or not we can afford it, we'll buy it on credit. So how do we change that? Respect. Respect for oneself. That's how you change it. When you respect yourself, you respect your kind and you will put that money to use for growing yourself. Because when I do business with you, I'm benefiting, whether I realize it or not, I'm benefiting. Because your growth will benefit me. One of the biggest problems we have is that we don't have as many small businesses as we had back in the day. Somebody mentioned we used to have doctors, lawyers, everybody, all within our community. What that also allowed us to do is to hire. Now, you can get a, a white guy that just got out of jail and he's going to get a job, which means he's got a good chance of not having to go back to jail because he's able to get a job because somebody in his family is a business owner or will hire him or is a union chief or something like that where he's connected that that has hiring power. When you start investing in your own community, and, and when I say in your community, I don't mean a store that's in your community. I mean a Black-owned business. You are also creating opportunities of being able to hire. You're creating opportunities of being able to invest back. So, you know, whether there's the AAU group that's in, in that community, that small business can help sponsor them. It's just, it, that's how it continues to circulate. Mm -hmm. One way or the other, whether it's five times until we grow to 10 times, until we grow 20 times before it leaves our community. Right. But it's all of us have a responsibility to just kind of seek. Mm -hmm. Hey, Ron, I would. I, ahead, I would say, yeah. Ron, your your question is your question has come up a few times with with clients that I have, with in and just other conversations. I I think it really happens at home in terms of your. A lot of people look to transfer value in terms of money, but you have to transfer your value system as well. So if you don't have a value system, it's hard to help people understand what they're going to do when they get this money. So. It's about the habits, right? Um, really mm -hmm. wealthy people sometimes are afraid to even tell their children they're wealthy because they're afraid they either won't work hard or do things. I've had to convince them to tell their kids or share with their kids, hey, I want you invested in the market so that you know what it feels like 
to be up and down in terms of the market. So you don't abandon your opportunity for long-term growth, right? But that's a value system. And so instead of pulling the money out, doing something frivolous with it, you become a longer term investor. And now you have the proper value system. So you don't feel as if you have to move just because you have a you have extra money, so to speak. And I even, I don't believe in extra money. Money, all money has a purpose. You can mm-hmm. spend it, invest it, or save it. So um, when from now on, if anyone ever asks any of you, do you have any extra money? You can confidently say no. All my money has a purpose. Um, but value system is big for me because it's too late. If they have bad habits, they now have the money. And again, we talk about infrastructure. We don't have that legacy infrastructure to protect us to say, once you spend $250,000 in six months of life insurance, that's it. That was everything that was left to you. There's no infrastructure for you to have a five-year stretch where you blow 10 or $15 million, but the family heirlooms are worth $150 million. So we have to be smarter. So it starts with the value system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know this is a really good conversation we're having, but I know we're going a little long and so oh. we have to leave. But I would really love you to have you guys back on to go a little bit deeper in, in what you guys are talking about. Because I know we went, you know, we started with George Ford, but then we went into a whole different topic here. But I just want each person to just say real quickly, what things that you recommend that people or yourself is putting in motion in order to make a change? What would, what would be the thing that you say, well, this is what we need to do, or this is what we're doing, or this is what we feel as a people to get a larger um, systematic change in this nation or in our community, whatever it may be, whatever, just quickly say, you know, the change or what you think that we need to do or what you're actually doing yourself. I I, want to start out and I'm going back to what I said before. Um, I think as African-Americans, we need to vote. We need to find candidates that will support our position, support our vision, uh, support our community. And we need to go out and vote because it is I, I don't know if any of you gentlemen read Charles Blow's book, The Devil You Know. It talks about if folks were to move back to the South, uh, they could become the majority and capture Senate and congressional seats. So we need to vote. I mean, I, I can briefly close here. So first of all, thank you all again for the opportunity. Um, for me, I think we need to continue to be in better relationship with each other in our, in our communities. I think the better our relationships are, the more we can champion the vision of, of others like us. Um, I think that we need to make sure that those that want access to our community, our time, our talent, our resources, that they truly earn that from us and we are not giving it away. So thank you. I'll go next. Um, Thank you for this opportunity. Um, Before I go, I do want to say I hope I could somehow get all these brothers phone numbers and figure out a way for us to do lunch or something like that when everything settles down. I've been impressed with each and every one of Mm -hmm. you guys and would definitely like to get to know you guys a little bit more. Um, Except Ron, I know him. (laughs) 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 But- um, Are you saying no dinner for him? No lunch for him? No dinner for him, no. I've had enough (laughs) of him. (laughs) 
But um, to answer that question, um, I think all of us, if we just take a, a step back and just um, maybe just take a little bit more personal responsibility to our community. And what I mean by that is not just get involved um, with what's going on in your community, but support your community. Uh, if you see a black owned business out there, support it. You know, um, you know, those little things do make a difference. Mm -hmm. You're not gonna see them up front. It's not one of those things that really is instant gratification, but long-term, when they're successful, we will be successful overall. Yes, there are some that are sellouts and I know we're gonna get those people that are gonna say, well, they're not gonna, yes, you're always gonna have that, but you have that in every community, you know? They're for themselves, but that's not your job to go and try to figure out who's who. Mm -hmm. Support, support, be an example, teach. It makes a difference. Right. Thank you, Mr. Ingram or Mr. Stevens. Uh, uh, okay, thank you. Uh, it's been it's been great, great conversation, great dialogue. Um, and, and these are the things that we must continue doing. I um, appreciate the opportunity to be on here. And, and one thing, a few things that we have to do is, is accountability, um, supporting one another. And the thing that we really didn't touch on is indifference. We have to get away from indifference um, from others as well as ourselves. Because uh, mm -hmm. a lot of times we don't do things until it touches us. And we have to get past that. And mm -hmm. so it, just because you weren't, I wasn't stopped, doesn't mean that I shouldn't be able to touch the young man that was stopped. I should be able to talk to them and help them come up and, and create that network that grows, that, that, that gives us that power base later on. You know, I got to stop thinking about now and start thinking about 10, 15, 20 years from now. How do mm -hmm. I get us there? Right. Thank you, Mr. Ingram. Uh, I would like to again say thank you, just as everyone else has stated. I also agree with everything that everybody said. The only thing that I would add or just build on, um, again, just because of my position and just of what my passion is and, and, and just how I see life for me and what I do is that we really need to have more conversations like this. Mm -hmm. We definitely need to be in touch with our youth. We need to really have conversations with them. We need to, as Mr. Wells said, empower them. Um, we, we uh, you know, have assembled an opportunity where we mentor young youth uh, twice a month, where we're having just these conversations and really just putting them in position to make a difference and make that change. They have the numbers, they have the passion, they have the desire, and we need to capitalize on that, capitalize on that as soon as we possibly can, um, because they deserve a brighter future. They deserve opportunities and they deserve to not have to go through what all of us have gone through in our adulthood. Um, we need to make a change for them and it starts with them and working with them. Absolutely. Very good. I have a whole page of notes here. And one of them, um, Mr. Stevens was indifference, but I wrote it down as it doesn't touch me or my household so it can stay. So just to, um, before my wonderful co-host ends, um, 
take it away. Um, I'm, I just want to share with our audience as you listen. Here are some key takeaways that I that I wrote that I that I I got from this was you know we are we have made a little progress and we need to continue to fight for you know, for things to get better and to continue to go in an upward um, motion. I hear, you may not have said it, but I hear the word of instilling hope and encouraging, especially our younger generation to move forward. I heard, um, I think Mr. Wells, it was, that talks about empowerment, engagement, and execution. I know you thought I wasn't listening, but mm -hmm, I heard that. And then I also heard that silence becomes betrayal and, and that you gentlemen are doing a great job in mentoring and, and helping um, others. So I'm going to um, say my last piece by saying we need to continue to speak life into the situation. And if you have the time, I want you to go on YouTube and look at an interview that TD Jakes had with the Stephen Furtick from um, some church in, I think in South Carolina, I forget the name of his church right now, which is a shame because I, I know it. And he had an interview with him. And it really, really touched me when he talked about what our four parents went through and the hardship they went through and the resilience and they kept singing and they kept marching and they kept going. So when we um, have a little inconvenience, we need to look back and see what they went through and keep marching on, keep pushing forward. And he says much more, but I'm paraphrasing. So um, if you have time, you can, you know, go and, um, and listen to it. And drop the mic. It's called drop the mic. Drop the mic. Yes, yes, yes. And and this was great conversation. And as my co-host says, I hope you would come back. But what I want to see happen is you bring a young man with you so we can have a dialogue. We're going to make the platform available. But you bring somebody younger with you and say, here is somebody I'm mentoring. And then we have the dialogue together. So guys, thank you so much for coming on. It was such a great conversation. And I really love that you guys are making a change and making a difference in our young people lives and um, in the communities where you serve and, and the different platform. And even a couple of you guys are business owners. So I really appreciate you guys making the impact and doing what you can to change our situation, change, change our environment. And once again, everyone, this is another episode of Life Chat with Goodwill. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.